0: Hello Women's Cycling Weekly We are here at the top of Wollonga Hill in Australia for the final stage of the Tour Down Under Sarah Gigante is currently soloing to win the stage and we are very unbiased but we are very excited We're going to have a battle with the commissaires to try and get to watch the finish but we're so excited (laughs) And Sarah, I know you're listening because you told me yesterday you listen every week so... Congratulations to
1: you. We are we so are happy. happy here. To be here. The I press room was changing. You know. Welcome back to the <laughs> Eckson Weekly Podcast. I'm here again with Rachel and Tilda. Good day. I'm sorry, I had to. No
0: mate. No one says it say how they don't. Not sure i have never heard it. What they do say is how, are you, how going? you going? How are you going? Yeah. How are you going? How are you going? <laughs> how <are> you going?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never heard a, a real life Australian say good day in my life. Not in a serious way. But there we go. No.
0: Fresh fresh
1: fresh off the plane though, from from Adelaide, mate.
0: How was it? I'm not sure fresh is the right no. word to describe either of us <laughs> <else> right now. <laughs> fresh carrying back a illness
2: with me and Love jet that. lag jet lag and a cold
1: so guys this is super super negative because you <laughs> not you guys posting like all these sunny pics and like messaging as if like you're obsessed with australia and you're moving there and on on the mic now you're like such a downer about it come on no but yeah, we're, we're down because we're not there true and that that was
0: like a different version of us, like, yeah, we were on a different planet. I mean, let's just let's try and rewind to that. And we'll get our
1: get the little music going. Okay, we're back. You just landed in Australia, fresh off <sighs> off the plane.
2: I can picture it now. But we I can feel the heat of the sun on my face. Was it super I can hot? Smell the pantry. The what? Yeah, it was hot. I don't know what can I smell I'm just trying to think mm, I think <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah we were in Chinatown we can smell the Chinese food Um, it was hot it was it was like nice though it wasn't even too hot it was just like perfect no complaints swimming in the rooftop pool oh, oh God. gosh
1: I think the breakfast it looked was really living nice dream. as well. Yes, yeah, the breakfasts
2: were unreal like we lived on granola and smoothie bowls well I did children didn't actually have as many as me I'm pretty sure I had one like every day <laughs> spending like 20 dollars on smoothie bowls I feel like Aussies day. do
1: healthy food really well yeah mm. they, they do healthy lifestyle well like they get up
2: at 6am and like go for runs or cycles and then come back and have a
1: smoothie bowl and Seize the day. <laughs> we season the day Quite then, amazing, to be fair. Did you guys encapsulate that uh, mentality? Honestly,
0: I feel like considering we were working from like nine till six every day, we did manage to seize the day out of that. We always had, we always made time for breakfast. We always made time to go out afterwards. Kind <laughs> of.
1: We were making the best of it. And you were pretty much. We were so full on. Yeah, I was going to say. It was like it was so busy. Straight off the plane, no? You were straight into it with like. You had some sort of dinner no, and then like all the team presentation stuff and all that. Wasn't that like straight off?
0: Yeah, literally. Yeah. I landed at eight in the morning on Thursday and we had press conference, interviews, a media dinner and then Friday straight into the race.
2: It was yeah. Because uh, my flight landed at 5pm so I was like had to stay awake for like four hours and it was like acceptable to go to bed whereas she had to stay awake for the whole day which is just very
1: difficult
0: yeah I don't know how I did it actually because even like when we were having dinner well I did leave a bit early because I was quite tired but like compared to how it's been coming back it was a fucking breeze on the way there I think the sun just mm. helps it makes you feel alive and invigorated and having stuff to do um mm-hmm. so yeah
2: that was a pretty tiring day that
0: first day but
2: as yeah well. i feel like we were really like i feel like because you're excited to be there like you, you just don't feel the jet lag as much but like i wasn't like buzzing to get back to like the fucking rain
0: of the uk to be honest no i've got a really bad combo of just like sadness well let's not let's not get back into that actually <laughs> <laughs> let's get no, back to it okay. day one yeah. we've ticked that off day two friday the race what did we do
1: you tell me
2: was that did I get my my smoothie bowl the first day that day (laughs) with the little love heart on it because I think I did I think I got a smoothie bowl that day and it had like it was so good it was like had like a chocolate love heart in the middle and it was just just, I was like that's when we were talking about how we were winning at life and we were like we need to be we need to be grateful we're here we started having a really deep chat as soon as we we got. we were
0: walking around the corner, having a steep chat. about my, uh, I had a, a dragon fruit smoothie for anyone else who wants to know. <laughs> um, and we were now, like, three-minute walk to the cars because we were like, we need to appreciate this. We're so happy. Oh,
1: guys. Yeah,
0: We were like, we're so grateful that we're
1: here to work. It is. It's yeah, pretty cool, no? To be able to go across there. So the actual race.
0: Yeah. Just to... Yeah, day, day one. We went to... A town called Handorf, which is a German <laughs> German styled town in South Australia. Uh, we did some work, for sure. <laughs> I don't remember what. Uh, I was reunited with my namesake Matilda Reynolds, who was like, "Oh my God, are you okay? You're so pale," and offered to give me an ice sock. <laughs> Literally thought I was. Did, were you actually ill, <laughs> or, or you just you just pale? Just, just because my skin is pale, and she so, thought you were ill. She was like, "You're going to burn." I was like, "I've got the Oh, treatment. I see. No, no. She, just
1: thought <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> she was saying that because so, she was so pale. You look, <laughs> <ill>. <laughs> you
0: look, you look like, so was, rough. Like she was like, about to take a ice sock out of her own jersey. I was like, "Babe, like you're about to ride a race. Like don't worry oh about my me." Gosh. Um, lovely. So yeah, I can't remember who else I spoke to that morning. Seems a long time ago now.
2: I can't remember if I don't think I spoke to anyone that
1: morning. We all know that pre-race it's interviews are pointless.
0: True. True. Yeah. And then very true. So then the race started, and we had our we had our first taste of a race start where they do a little welcome to country from someone from the indigenous nation, mm. um, and national anthem, which me and Rachel loved every time course uh, mm. and then off they went and we jumped back in the car to be chauffeured around excellent by, by tom. tom we haven't
2: mentioned that we met tom that was the first day when we met tom he oh, yeah. was our driver for like the whole trip for the women's race and the men's race and he was just such a character wasn't he, he we was. love we we sort of i don't know did we love him well he was a bit, pro- he, was a bit he was a funny guy is this the
0: channel he nine guy if nothing else
2: no, no, no. no, no. 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 no that,
0: this this is why that we call him Tom, right? Tom the driver. Yeah, because
2: it's too confusing.
0: Tom the driver is Tom the
2: driver. Channel Nine is a is, is a journalist. Different. Time. Right. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, but Tom the driver, he was yeah, he was a funny guy. <laughs> a very traditional Australian bloke, wasn't he? He worked for I... Jaco. Covey. like, he actually his day job was like selling caravans for Jaco. Oh Co.,
1: wow.
0: Yeah. Funny. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he... He has three kids yeah, right. the same ages as all of us, me, Rachel and Adam. So probably felt like he was just driving his kids around <laughs> the whole week. <laughs> he did,
2: to be fair. Um So they
0: took you to like yeah. different parts
1: of the course then to watch the race, or did they just take you straight to the finish?
0: Uh um, pretty much the start and the finish. We did we did a QOM on one day. Yeah. Pretty much. We just did start and finish. Okay, so you watched Ali win um Ali, I love Ali. she I did yeah. good. what a day that was, yeah, so we got okay. that We had these enormous donuts, all the all the pastries in in Australia are about a hundred percent bigger than they are in any other part even of America, yeah. Yeah. and like the donut brownies. was like the brownies are like literally a brick. even you more than America. Out. it was like a dinner yeah. plate this wow. donut, and the, the brownie was like brownie brownies stuck together
1: this is a food podcast now this is a travel a travel slash food podcast. <laughs> honestly i'm pretty sure we've sampled
2: every sandwich in south australia to be honest oh we got gosh. one every single day in the press room <laughs> from a local
0: sandwich place yeah um so, yeah but back to the race so yeah so you had a donut
1: also Ali, Ali Wollaston won the stage so yeah did you
0: speak to her it was a boiling hot day
2: um, we did. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I think I spoke to Space Carnarvon Oh yes. Yeah, you did. You who, wrote that. Like, there.
1: I remember reading that.
2: Yeah. Um. I don't know if I actually directly spoke to Ali, but oh and I spoke to Anya Lau Low. Um. Yeah. But it was really. It was. It was a really good win for them because it was like the team's first World Tour win, first race of the season. Like, pretty ripper
1: for them yeah Yeah, I feel like they Um, they're like coming into their own a bit now as a team No,
2: yeah and it's good to see because it's like they're kind of reaping the rewards of like putting faith in riders like Ali like however long ago it was like three years ago when she joined them like obviously she's always been good but like now she's like really coming into her own and it's sort of like a product of their steady development of riders, I think, mm-hmm. where they yeah, haven't think like, pushed her
0: to do too much. It's quite cool that, um, you know, when they stepped up to be a world tour team, they could have signed a load of big names. And obviously they did sign uh, Ashley and Lotta Hentala, but also they they carried through a lot of the under-23 riders from when they went under-23 set up. And it's clearly paying off, like, Ali and Anya are both from that setup um a lot of the team were actually so yeah it's nice to see that they didn't just sort of reinvent themselves as a world tour team and bring in a load of big names they've actually kind of as you say built on something they were already building and it was big win for Ali for sure like I think maybe at the time it didn't feel such a significant thing but actually when you think about it it's like she's been knocking on the door of that big sprint win and that felt like it was it like in the world tour against a lot of good riders um Yeah, like, it was against, like, Jayco, like, I mean, they had, like, a full train, like,
2: which they've obviously been practicing at, like, nationals and stuff, so things to get the better of them, that's pretty incredible, because I doubt AG has had, like, much practice doing lead-outs and stuff, and whereas for Jayco, this race is, like, a massive goal, and they were really vocal about how much they were targeting it and stuff, so,
1: impressive from her. Yeah, Jayco kind of, they were the big losers of the race in a way. Like, they obviously would have set out to to take at least one stage win and kind of, you know, home race for that team and they didn't really, like, come away with anything.
0: Yeah, and especially that first day felt like probably the day that they were most likely to win because they, they brought quite a sprint-friendly team. Um, but to be honest, I think, I don't know like i don't know how i'd never spoke to alex manley that whole weekend but i think the fact that they were going for georgia baker as their sprinter was possibly their downfall there like i wouldn't you back alex manley to or even ruby to be a faster sprinter in that kind of race but they were backing baker which did not really pay off it's difficult isn't it because like they're all I always
2: think of them all as like pretty evenly matched in terms of their sprint like none of them are out and out sprinters none of them are climbers they're all kind of puncher, like in between sort of riders so it's good for like always being in the getting the three of them in like the top 10 But in terms of actually winning that seems to be the they're always up there but they're just actually being first seems to be the barrier
0: it also it almost seems like one of them needs to take one for the team and like commit to being a sprinter. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Which I thought was going to be Ruby because she used to, you know she was like national criterion champ and stuff like that, but she also seems to be going down the way of puncher, climby, sprinter, which is like okay, but how many of those can you have in one team? Do you think that's a product of yeah, the whole exactly. kind of
1: this mentality of like, oh, you need to be an all rounder. You can't just focus on one element. Or the other thing I was thinking is, is it related to the fact that we're in an Olympic year? And I think, is it, I'm pretty sure that all of those girls, maybe not Ruby? Are they, that she's not in the TP squad, hey? No. No. Okay, so
0: yeah. But Alex and Georgia Mm. are the big ones for that. And they'll do probably the Madison as well, hey?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I guess Ruby then is prime to kind of focus on being a sprinter, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think like, I don't know how much you can read into it. Like, I think they just missed timed that st- that sprint quite badly. Like they just went too early, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was a product of all that pressure on them, and like, the fact, it was their home race and everyone expected them to win. That they almost like got a bit nervous and launched it too soon.
0: And they also they they did do a lot of work all day. Well, to be honest, in all three stages, they did a lot of work because I think they kind of in that race, can't resist almost coming to the front because they feel like it's their race, especially on day one where there's no leader's jersey to decide the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they just burned a little bit too much in like the run-in was quite tricky, um, which, yeah, was a shame for them. And then I guess the problem was that we thought, okay, maybe they'll have another chance on stage two. But as we know, that also
1: did not pay off. So take us, that's a great segue into stage two then. Take us through stage two from your guys' perspective on the ground. What did you have for breakfast? Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you can't remember. I can't remember. Saturday morning. Probably another smoothie breakfast.
0: So.
1: <laughs> you look perplexed.
0: Um, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna look it up because now I'm thinking, what day was that, the 12th? No, that was the 13th. I will give it to you,
1: like when you, when you are on the ground a race, especially like because you guys did the men's race straight after, like you just forget. I remember this one. From...
2: Well, like I think because there was only, there was only three stages in the women's, so like every stage is very distinct in my head, but I can't really remember what we did around. Yeah. But those stages, like, <laughs> you know. Um. But... I think we maybe didn't really
0: have breakfast that day, because we were driving out to the beach. I think you had to go and do something. Did I do a? Oh, was that when you morning? did your gravel
1: right No. No, Saturday morning that was.
2: Fuck's sake! Why are we like goldfish? <laughs> hate it. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the stage. Was well, like, it, was, it was. It
1: was the a bit
2: more rolling. Oh
0: yeah, they, it was. Just... What date Was it on the thirteenth this stage? No, that was the twelfth. I think. Oh no, that was the thirteenth. But in my calendar, in my phone, things are all the wrong way around because it's
2: time differences so. yeah the 13th I did the I did the bike ride in the morning so I think that's why I didn't have breakfast because I think I was rushing yeah. uh, did I, we get breakfast when a... we were there when we, no, the we start, maybe
0: I had a Red Bull for breakfast I remember that oh dear oh Don't I think I had it my home.
2: XL donut oh you did you, did. I, had you the, did I had the other half of the XL donut from the day before for breakfast after my ride
1: pure health then from both of you we've gone from smoothies <laughs> yeah Slaying. To a Red Bull and a donut no, all- only day two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure I had a Gatorade with it as oh, well. Wow. Oh, don't even we did get a little bit addicted to Gatorades. And we had to nip back. You can't lot. get them in, in yeah. Europe,
1: can you? I don't think.
2: Probably they should probably be fucking. Illegal, legal. To be
1: yeah.
2: mm. They But no, anyway. I was jittery after those Gatorades. Jeez like. About
1: Um but no, oh. We went,
0: went to the beach, went to Glenelg Yeah, we put our feet in that day We went in the oh, sea lovely. I Don't know what sea it was it's,
1: Here we are Yeah. Super cute, oh, I remember this picture For the listeners, that's the two of them Paddling In the sea um, Yeah it was Okay then, so on the racing front Obviously it's the day that Silo won What else? Yeah,
0: yeah what else i mean she was actually it was an interesting day don't you think because we saw them come through like three times because it was on on a circuit and they seemed to be racing that final climb quite hard each time it was breaking up each time Mm -hmm. but then on the final lap that didn't really happen Mm -hmm. i think
2: this was the stage where i jaco were complaining afterwards that nobody was really taking it on like i think that there was a lot of talk about would stage two end up being harder than stage three because mm-hmm. it had a load of elevation in it. But they were like little track, like none of the teams really wanted to take it on and like commit to splitting it. So I think there was a bigger group than a lot of people expected uh when they actually came to the line. Like I think it was like 40 odd riders still there. Whereas some people thought it would be like a GC day.
0: Hmm. Um, and it was also the day that Obviously, well, Celia won but also crucially Grace Brown sort of just wasn't on a good day. Um and that kind of changed FTJ's plans around a little bit. Um and also like, if you feel like possibly if, if Grace had been on a good day, and obviously Cecilia was F T J might have taken it up a little bit more, but without yeah. their main G C you favourite in contention, they didn't I really think, I think like
2: what we did see at, at this race is like a lot of the teams weren't there with, like, their full, full A team. So, like, Little Trek had, like, Spratty. who's obviously really strong. But they also had some quite young riders there. Um, like, a, like same with FTJ. There was, like, some big names there. But there was also, like, some lesser kind of riders there. So it was, like, too much of a risk for anyone to, like, really try and do something. Because they were, I think, they were kind of at risk of, like, isolating themselves if they pressed on too much.
0: Mm-hmm. What we did see though was this was the start of AG Insurance's work for Sarah Gigante. They were very good at keeping her up near the front and in good position on a climb that sorry, on a stage that is not really suited to her abilities. You know, positioning yeah. is really important and that's maybe a weakness of hers. So that was impressive to see. And that's what she spoke about after the stage was how much they had really bodyguarded her that day. Um, you know, obviously they were in the leaders' jersey with Ali, but really their main goal was to make sure that Sarah did not lose any time, which they succeeded in doing. Yeah. Cause it was easily like a
2: stage where if she'd have been a little bit too far back and someone else dropped the wheel, she could yeah. have ended up losing quite a bit of time. Yeah. She was, she was in the top 10 on that stage. So it's like pretty good for her considering, like you say, it's really not the sort of circuit she would like. It was quite technical and like fast in places as well.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. This was this was the day that Sarah revealed herself as a women's action weekly. Oh yeah. Which... Okay, tell the listeners how that went down. <laughs> so I was waiting to interview her at the finish with Channel 9 as it happened. <laughs> um and she comes over and I'm like, "Hey Sarah, Sarah, how are you?" And she goes, "Are you from the podcast?" And I was like First I was like, "No," like because I haven't done a podcast in like 9 months you know i've been working full-time gcn and i was like wait what podcast She was like women's Cycling weekly like i recognize your voice i listen every week and i was like so that was lovely love that uh, and i felt very starstruck and i was like yes that is me which i was I've never been recognized by the voice before um and she's a <laughs> dedicated oh so. well shout out sarah i guess she'll she will be is...
1: listening thanks for
0: listening sarah absolutely shout out sarah you better be also, truly one of the most lovely people to chat to like just so happy and but also really open and honest about how her day had been and stuff like that so that was probably one of my favourite interviews I did over the weekend we love it excellent no
1: again though great writing from them and it obviously paid off as well the next day um I'm actually like pleasantly surprised at how well she how, how well she's come out already this season like because it was a bit of a weird one. Like, we didn't really know where she was at or, like, what was going on when she was at Movistar. Because they just didn't... Yeah. She'd had, like, health yeah. problems and hadn't really raced. So... I think I
2: think she, like, struggled to get the race days that she wanted with Moby Star. But, like, to be fair, it seems like she's thriving at AG, like... She seemed to absolutely love it there, be getting on with the riders so well. Um, like such a supportive environment for her. She just seemed to fit in really well. They all look like they were having such a good time at the race, which was really nice to see. And like, it just shows how important it is, doesn't it? To have that, like a good environment off the bike and how that can impact your results so much. Um, Cause like, I, th- I think she like mentioned it so many times, like if she hadn't had the backing from her teammates and, if they hadn't believed in her, you know, she basically couldn't have done what she did in the race. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it also, for me, kind of, like, questioned maybe the assumptions that we make about when a rider isn't racing and not getting selected. You assume it's because they're not on good form or something like that, Um, that there must be a reason for it. But actually, she's clearly on, like, cracking form. And she said she's new in September that she was like on her way back to her best. And then I think it was in October that she uh, broke her contract with Movistar and signed with AG. So she was clearly realizing like, I need to do something different here. Um, Cause it's not gonna happen at Movistar, which, you know, maybe through no fault of either person's. And it also like, I think it is kind of, you know, if every time a rider does start for you, they're not performing, it's hard to sometimes to put the faith in them Um, but clearly AG saw that she was on her way back and yeah like I did not expect her to go that well like I thought she'd have a good comeback race but she kind of blew it all out of proportion sorry blew it all out of the water and um, yeah I think yeah it has made me kind of re-question yeah the assumptions that you might make about riders if they're not racing and not getting starts or struggling like Actually, what's going on behind the scenes might be totally different. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess we don't really. It was so sad when she Gone. was. No. <laughs> um, no, I was just gonna say it was so sad when she was like saying that stuff about it's pretty hard to be told you're washed up when you're 22. And I was like, God, yeah, that is so rough. Like, the amount of people who like counted her out and like, well, you know, didn't think, have any belief in her. Um, of after all the setbacks she had like to the mental strength to like keep going and not give up with all of that surrounding you I think it's like it's actually pretty incredible like more than even like, her physical form it's like the fact she still like believes in herself after all that is just like quite amazing to be fair.
1: Well it's like everyone's so quick to you there'll be some breakthrough young rider who absolutely slays for like the first few seasons and then if they don't continue that streak, which is not sustainable, they're not going to continue to like win every single thing they race. Then we're so quick to just be like, oh, well that was good while it lasted. But I guess this person is done now. Like, but actually, obviously not.
2: (laughs) I think she won, like also she won the Australian nationals and that was her big result that got her name, out there but people kind of forget that that race is so different to what she was then going to come and have to face in Europe um and she was still like had so much to learn in terms of like racing in the world tour peloton like winning the nationals is really different to going and racing like flesh or liege um and it's like quite natural that it would take a couple of years for you to like get used mm-hmm. to that it does just because she was aussie national champ when no one really kind of expected her to win it doesn't necessarily mean that she's suddenly going to come to Europe and, you know, be like amazingly good. It's just like, she's still got a lot to learn. And she even said that, like, despite winning Tour de she even said like, she's still learning and knows, you know, there's a lot more improvement she can still make.
1: Well, it seems like she's on a good team for like, that level now. like for development and for like the people around her who are going to help her progress. So looking forward to see what she does.
2: Mm, she's so level-headed to be fair like that love was that. kind of what was impressing me I was like she's got a head screwed on that girl to be fair
1: excellent love to hear it well we've kind of jumped the gun I guess we've already talked about stage three because we've talked about how she won the whole bloody thing so anything else to say about about stage three or even stage two or just how everything played out because obviously we've talked about the result but how it came to pass
0: I think maybe uh one of the main storylines on stage three was how like and also it kind of goes with the men's race as well not that we're talking about that but tour down under has kind of been a race where previously um like really experienced riders have done well there because because it hasn't been that big of a race in terms of where it sits in the calendar you get really motivated aussies or south africans or kiwis that go there and they come and you know Richie Port won it however many times, and it was kind of the same with the women's race to an extent, like with Amanda Spratt winning three years in a row. But then those kind of riders came to this race this year and were kind of slightly, well, they were they were all bettered by young riders. Like all of the top three on that Wollongong stage were young, fresh riders and. Amanda Spratt had been talking for months about how she wanted to win at Wollongong, and that would be a real big thing, but it's like being a super, being a super motivated Australian rider, it used to be enough <laughs> to win the Tour de- and now it's simply not enough and the young riders are coming at these races in serious form and racing really hard. Um, and yeah, because even on, you know, Sarah Gigante and Neve Bradbury, you can kind of expect, but obviously we also had Ninka Nink- Vinka <laughs> in third, which oh, was, like really surprising. <laughs> it's it's a cute little name, isn't it? Nink- but, but, yeah, like, DSM probably came into that race as, like, a team that we wouldn't really think anything of, but they came away with, you know, they came third, and then she won the... Um, she she second, won then. the I thought Neve was second.
1: Oh no! No, yeah, she was second. I don't know. Nick giving. was second.
0: Was Neve was third. Nice, and her. then they won the criterium, and then also just last night or two nights ago, the Surf Coast hmm. Classic. Francesca Barale came third. Like they've really come into this with a super young and fresh team, but that doesn't that hasn't stopped them from doing well no i'm actually Um, like if you look at the top 10
1: there's like one two three four sorry there's oh no she's yeah there's like five five of them are like under 23s or under the age of 23
2: like ninka vinka is 19 years old which is pretty crazy she was Like, she is so young. Mm. But to be second in a World Tour stage race is pretty impressive from her.
0: Yeah, and I feel like if anyone else except Gigante had won, that would have been one of the big stories of the day. But because the Gigante story was such a big story, Vinka sort of got overlooked. But actually, like, that is a huge result. You know, your second year elite straight off. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it was the way Sarah won as well. Like, we didn't really speak about how... in. Like there was all those crosswinds early on and teams like Trek were really pushing on to try and split it. And she was literally dropped, like, with Ali Wollaston and then she also to keep herself safe, she then ended up doing like a fair bit of work herself on the front of the bunch. So I remember us talking in the press room, we were like, Oh, if she goes on to win this stage after all this work, it's just ridiculous. Like it's hard to imagine that she could still have it in her to win after being dropped and being on the front and having such like a stressful stage. So I think that like made her win even more dramatic because of how crazy the stage had been leading up to that. It was actually such an exciting race to watch that day with the crosswinds as well. And it was so good to see like the teams trying to do something in that situation and proper echelons happening and like the race splitting off. It was was, like a really good signifier, I think, of where the peloton is in terms of like maturity and stuff now. I
1: hope that that continues when SD works are in the mix as well because we we've sort of seen it as well like really aggressive racing in in these one days in Mallorca the last week or so as well but I just hope that having the addition of the the looming figure of SD works in the peloton doesn't kind of bring back the whole conservative racing style again I don't know
2: I know it's what it's it's hard to know, like, how different this race would have been with if SD Works were there, or if Movistar were there. Like, they were kind of the two big teams that were missing. Um, I don't know how. Yeah, we it would have affected things quite differently. I just I can't wait for the day where more teams have the budget to spread the talent out a bit more widely because it is it's pretty crap right now. How like one team has so
0: much power it's not ideal but on the flip side of that it does seem like from the programs that they've announced st works are kind of focusing in their ambitions a little bit more this season like you know last year part of the reason why they did so well because is because like demi started all of the classics and won half of them but it seems like they're taking a little bit more of a conservative approach this year so actually those opportunities may open up not in the biggest races because SD works will always target those but in the kind of slightly lower level you know still world tour but just not like monuments and grand tours like races like the Giro like you know I think we remember because SD works win on the big occasions but actually Mm. there are races where they don't they don't dominate in that way because they choose not to put their eggs in that basket and hopefully the kind of beginning of this year will act as a little bit of, I don't know if other teams can take this as encouragement and keep the momentum going, um, then hopefully that will be a positive thing. And more and more teams, I would say AG Insurance were really, a lot of these teams are gelling together like proper world tour teams finally now, um, which maybe they that's the kind of where teams have been a step behind Works previously. So, if they can kind of realise that, that these teams like them and Kanyusram and Little Trek are really implementing like teamwork and cohesion better. Like that's what you need to have to be to go against SC Works. Not necessarily you're not gonna have a writer who's on the same level as Otto Capeki, sure. But if you can work together as a team, then you you can at least take it to them for like the podium.
2: Yeah, 'cause what was it what race was it? Well, I think it was Bruges, Japan, right? Where like that was kind of the only race where we saw well one of the only races where I think and Georgie mm-hmm. won right and it was because DSM did really good teamwork and like their tactics were so good and they rode better as a team than SD Works did basically and that helped Pfeiffer get away um I don't know like when you look at occasions like that like it is possible to beat SD Works if you ride really smart um and yeah like you say the more teams that are thinking like that and thinking like how they can use their collective strength rather than like we all know it's going to be pretty hard to find a rider who's stronger than demi or who can ride away from Lotte of but you might be able to get a team of like six seven really drilled riders who can play it smarter you know
1: yeah yeah I think I don't know it's I feel like quite optimistic about this season when it comes to all of that like it, it just sort of feels like there's a bit of a everything feels a bit Fresher this year, in terms of like we've got some riders coming back from like injuries or maternity leaves and that sort of thing. Like, there's loads of new talent coming through, and it seems like teams have to have learned from last year. Like, if the directors and the riders haven't gone back to the drawing board this winter and thought about how to ride better as a team to take SD Works on. Like, it sounds really boring that, like, there's all this focus on Wix, but they are the team to beat. Like, they are the ones that can just basically go, okay, I'm going to win this race and do it because everybody else just, like, almost let them last year on some occasions. And if they haven't sat there and thought how, to, how they can stop that from happening, then I don't know what they're doing. But they must have. I hope they have. And then I think we're going to see some really, like, Dynamic racing this year as a result. I hope so, anyway. I might be eating my words. Yeah.
0: And to be honest, like, not to insult previous iterations of teams, but it does feel like from spending the tour down under, you know, being around the pits and talking to riders and talking to DSs and seeing how things work and equipment and stuff like that, that the teams are just getting more serious and professional, which. SD works, works, Bolstormans have maybe been doing for a long time but the teams are catching up to them in that sense and as women's cycling grows all of those teams are getting more investment which means they're getting better riders and better resources and it is that level of professionalism and seriousness and having a DS in the car who is coming at it from a really strategic point of view like that is what is going to make the difference and Tour Down Under is typically one of the less serious races of the year, but teams were taking it seriously. And, yeah, I just feel like everyone is beginning to come onto that level of of professionalism. Like, not that they were unprofessional before, but in terms of the way that they're approaching races is a lot more serious, basically, which I think is is what is needed to compete with those big teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also the natural progression of, The women's world tour since its inception and since the professional professionalization of women's cycling basically like the minimum salaries for the world tour teams yeah we can talk about like the lower ranks and how that is but these teams that have now had money and riders that have had the the financial capacity to fully focus on their jobs it's paying off now it's like it is showing and it's every single year there's a step up and that's why I don't know, I just ha- I'm just i quite optimistic about this year. I think there's, I don't know, there's a feeling that it's just going to be, like last year was already a step up. Yeah, we had this kind of imbalance with SD Works and Meek was still racing, but even with Anamique, like who had previously been like head and shoulders above everyone, completely dominated everything, like what it wasn't the same for her last year. Maybe that's because she was getting older or whatever, but Demi as well, like the way that, yes she's dominant like at the tour and stuff but like there were people get were getting closer to her in a way that we hadn't seen people get close to her or Meek in the past like i think the age of like one rider or teams or whatever like completely and utterly dominating like we've seen before is kind of over now we've got there's always going to be like a few riders that are on top like it happens on the men's side as well like we always bring this up when we talk about when people moan about SD works or one or two riders, like it does happen on the men's side and look at how that is there. But, but I just think that like the way, like the manner that Anime, for example, just walked all over everybody. Like, I don't think we'll see that again.
2: I think also like last season, there were cracks quite a bit with SD works in terms of like their cohesion and, who they were riding for and there was occasions where it was, they were, had so many like star riders who could have won the race. that It almost like confused mm. their tactics a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see like how they manage that this year. Cause by the looks of like the calendars they released, there's still quite a few races where they have going with like Bullering and Capecchi and we saw how it was at Strada Bianchi, for example, like, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how they manage that this year and whether that could actually end up being their downfall that they have so many riders who can win um yeah it'll be interesting to see
0: i also do think that a lot of riders as like counterintuitive as it may sound can take a lot from the way that um demi performed this year because i think maybe in the 2022 like tour de france there was kind of a feeling from Demi and the whole team that she might, she might never be able to beat Meek, but actually with kind of a pretty, you know, really serious training program and doing things like altitude camps and bigger numbers and more endurance and more climbing, she did beat her. And I think a lot of teams are taking that on board as the idea that obviously Demi is a super, super talented rider, but it's also down to like work that she's put into it to be that good. And I think that other riders can learn something from that in that if you do take it really seriously and you go and do altitude camps instead of just racing every week in the world tour then you can make those improvements and from speaking to riders at the toll down under that was something that came up like more riders are opting to do training camps are heading into the the tours and more specific training and less racing and I think yeah as much as it's not always good to be on the receiving end of like how good Demi Wollering can be it is also a sign that it's not all about it's not all about like natural talent you can work towards being a better rider and improve your position and yeah if Demi Demi might have thought she would never meet Van beat Van Vuyten but she did so riders who think they may never beat Demi can kind of take that as like well if she can do that then I can do that
1: yeah and well, it's like
0: yeah I think it's no you go
2: <laughs> um no I was just gonna say like I, just quickly like I think I think people forget like a lot can change in one well, winter like you say massive gains can be made um and yeah like Wallerang proved that when she like came back last year and was able to like beat Van Blooten. um yeah there's just like it's the, like winter's long and people can make serious gains in that time and I think cycling, you know, it's so transient. Like every year it's different and it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of being like, oh, you know, it was like this last year. So it's going to be like that again this year. But it never really is. Like when it comes around to it, there's always changes. And that's kind of why it's like an exciting sport is because you never really know how everyone's going to go into the next season and who's going to have made the step up over winter, who's going to have stayed pretty much the same level. So Yeah, it's just going to be good to watch, I think.
1: (laughs) I'm excited. I want it to start (laughs) now, like properly. I want Omelette to be next week. Well, I don't, but I also... Yeah, I love... Yeah. Anything else to say about Tall Down Under, guys? Any other comments? Any other little anecdotes? Any other breakfast recipes you'd like to share with the listeners?
2: we had a few good good savoury breakfasts as well the hash browns
0: Mm. they were hitting you had the hash hash brown wrap that was your highlight right hash brown i I had the hash brown wrap twice (sighs) and i I actually made the hash brown wrap for breakfast this morning oh my god stop that sounds so nice missing it because we were gonna have it on the last oh no we did honestly i was so jealous on that monday because me and adam went for breakfast at at this this was before we came back uh, on monday went for this breakfast at this kind of cute posh Uh, brunch place and Rachel was going to meet us but then Rachel just had a nightmare of a morning I had the worst morning I was packing
2: my suitcase and then the zip um, broke and I was like I literally couldn't fix it so I had to get an Uber to like this suitcase shop I spent like 125 Australian dollars on a new case came back put all my stuff in the new case zipped it up, checked over the hotel walked like half an hour to the wrong breakfast place it was on the other side of the city to where they were um and then ended up having breakfast on my own well you did come and sit with me to be fair but i was eating on my own in the same um place that we'd been to like three times so
0: but i was just sad because then we were there and that was my favorite breakfast place and i'd already had breakfast um... and i was like could have had one last zoomer
2: you should have just doubled Zoom up the... right you should have just have double breakfast to be
0: fair honestly with the amount that i ate that day i probably should have like i was starving after the night before
2: the hangover the hangover munchies hit different to be fair they did they
0: did but yeah and we haven't even mentioned the frozen yogurt
2: oh my god that frozen yogurt
0: place is a social
2: experiment for sure like i've decided (laughs) it's so weird like you go in there you pick your you pick up like your bowl which is like huge it's like a plastic no it's like a paper tub like and then you fill up with like a pump you put in your frozen yogurt whichever flavor you want then you go and fit and like put the toppings and stuff on you on. and then they charge you on like the weight of mm. how much your frozen yogurt like weighs with all the toppings. So it's like it's crazy because it's it's like testing you. You know <laughs> how greedy you're going to be because you're going to pay more. But then like they they're like giving you all these toppings and they give you such a big bowl that you kind of tricked into putting loads in because it's so
0: big. And yeah, and you size. don't like you can't know how much it's gonna weigh. Like you can't work that out just for holding it. Oh my no. god, that sounds so. Good. Some people just like crazy, to... and then we're paying like twenty dollars. Well, no more than
2: that, even. I mean, it I went like... the first time we went. I was like putting brownies and really heavy. Oh, those heavy brownies! In there. The heavy brownies—they that was a mistake on my behalf. But then I sort of finessed it, and I started putting like the mini M and M's in, and they're quite lightweight, I think. Oh
1: my god, guys. <laughs> Tilda, wait! But did you have this? Do they have
0: vegan stuff? Yeah, they had oh. vegan. They had vegan chocolate and vegan uh, coconut. Wait, vegan? So got, oh, got, coconut yogurt. I was gonna say I swear
1: coconut yogurt. Yeah, frozen yogurt. Yeah,
0: okay. Oh. No, no. So that with like those, the chocolate with like, I liked chocolate with strawberries and raspberry coulis. That was that was the one. Oof. Oh, so good. Black forest Ghetto.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm hungry not now, to so I'm gonna have to go in a minute because I need to eat (laughs) after listening to this I feel like the listeners are going to be the same they're gonna be like didn't really learn much about racing but I learned about no I'm kidding we did talk about racing but
0: honestly do you want to just put that in the next newsletter like all our food pictures because we just honestly I've got so many
1: just food recommendations in Adelaide nothing to do with racing
2: (laughs) yeah literally oh the food was so good
1: guys well Let's all aim to Miss be there it. next year, please. Yeah. Eat our way around. Absolutely. Please. That's I a dream. I I'll we'll try and get to the Australian Open, because I'm obsessed with tennis.
0: Ooh. Mm-hmm. That would be the ultimate combo, wouldn't it, is to go over for that and then fly over to Melbourne mm-hmm. for the finals. Oh, that would be such Imagine. a
2: dream. Let's do it. You could do a lot. We could have done Cadells, really. Stay a bit longer. We could have done Cadell's. We could have done the nation. We could have gone to the
1: Nations Cup in Adelaide. It's the track. Nations Cup there. The
2: mm. track. Yeah, there's like next. It's like this weekend. So maybe we need to finesse our plans a bit more and get. Well, it speaking it. of
1: Cadell's, quick because right. you obviously watch the race and then it's pretty much the same peloton. Who are your guys' picks for for Cadell's? If I just put you on the spot, you're like, fuck off! Don't don't do that. Um, I
2: honestly
1: don't know anything about it. Is it flat? It's like um yeah, well it's a flat finish. Okay, it was like a big punch of time like
0: just before yeah. the finish.
1: Lowe's anarchist won it last year, didn't she? And then um who else has won it? Oh yeah, she did. Yeah,
0: Anna Lippet's mm-hmm. won it. Um, Anna Meeks won it. Uh I think Cecily maybe. Yeah. Or perhaps Jaco may come yeah. good and might be one for Ruby. If they're going for anyone, I would say Ruby would be the one to go for for
2: that. Um, yeah. Do you know I think Francesca Barale has been like slaying recently. She might actually be like an outside bet of somebody who could do really well. She's like steadily seems to be getting better and better results. Mind you, I don't know if it's too hilly for.
1: I was about to say, you 'cause look, like, so. maybe we back the A G girlies again and is it but is it too hilly for Ali Wollaston? I don't know. Maybe
2: a bit. She was probably struggling the mm. most
1: at Tour de Under on the climbs out of all of the
2: sprinter types. Yeah. I maybe someone she, like Julie
0: she...
1: then, hey? Which, which Julie?
2: Julie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, mm, I don't know. Or uh, is it too hilly for um Bertizola? I don't
0: know. We'll see. She I would seems say sprinting no. pretty well. But it depends who she's with. Mm. Like, she, w- she wouldn't be able to get away solo, I wouldn't say. Like, she'd have to stay in a group and then sprint. Whereas you can see someone like Cecily or Ruby or Judy getting away in a small or solo group.
1: Yeah. guess we'll find out. Guys, you're going to have to do, like, everybody else and watch it. Because the one the one thing I'll say about racing in Australia is that Obviously you can't really watch it live when you're in Europe or the UK and there's just it's just not the same watching a race back than watching it live, is it? It's just there's just something about and
0: like it's a, it, Yeah. It's a real shame as well that they showed it start to finish every day. And no one really could but you, Yeah. Who would be awake to watch it in the in Europe? But I guess you have to like
2: it's like the one time that they so have like a race that actually they can watch at a reasonable
1: time. So. so true. We've got to give it to Shout them. them. Yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah. Well, catch on. I I got Eurosport. I finally got Eurosport. I've <laughs> just sitting here for like months. Oh, like, what do I do? But also, like, I'm actually gassed because it's now aiding and abetting my newfound tennis obsession. So, <laughs> but R I P G C N. Yeah. Of
2: we miss you too for sure
1: big up anyway on that note I think we're done here aren't we I don't think there's anything else to say Mm -hmm. well thanks for thanks for coming on guys it's been fun thanks Thanks for having us yeah thank you and uh, great vibes as per you of course of course um thanks for listening to another episode you know where to find us all all the information is in the show notes subscribe to Women's Cycling Weekly and have a good week, buddy. Bye. but you are